What's going on? Something stupid, I'm sure. See, I told you. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind those of you out there who may have listened to This Week in Nickelodeon History, those episodes as they released on the uh, the podcast feed here, that that show did not end. It is now its very own podcast on its own feed that you may need to search for if you were a listener of that show. So uh, go to your, your podcast uh, subscriber of choice, Google, Apple, and just search up This Week in Nickelodeon History. Now, even if you are not a fan of that, if you can do me a solid and go show that show some love on, on whatever podcast service you uh, you use, it seemed to have gotten lost in the shuffle. And, and honestly, um, it from the time that I used Anchor and uploaded the Squarecast, it seemed to be a lot easier to like all of a sudden get your podcast on every available platform. Whereas when I then started This Week in Nickelodeon History, it seemed to be a little bit more uh, jumping through hoops to get it available on on all of the platforms. As of now, it is it is on most of the major platforms. So Google, Apple, uh, it's on Spotify. So This Week in Nickelodeon History, I would appreciate all the love over on that show. Uh, I put a lot of dedication and as much dedication into that show as I do for the Squarecast. So um, it's not dividing my, my time between the two shows. They're kind of concurrent with one another it's it's one and the same i'm still still talking nickelodeon over here uh, but i w would really appreciate any of the love now if you're watching on youtube or listening through to this show on youtube then the release schedule is just not going to change for you um there the only only bit of a delay uh with the uh, cover art situation i i had a few days where i was without photoshop and uh, unfortunately, was left to my own devices, but everything is smooth sailing as usual for Captain Eric. While we are talking about this week in Nickelodeon history, I just want to say that pretty much everything associated with the Captain Eric brand across the board is just going to get a nice extra coat of paint. Uh, I've already, you've already seen the updated this week in Nickelodeon history logo. There will be an updated I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast logo. And on top of that, I'm going to just be changing up the music and overall themes of these podcasts. I do have a new I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast theme upcoming that I will debut in the upcoming episodes. But before then, I would like to debut also a new theme song for this week in Nickelodeon history. So if you are musically talented or know of someone who is, you can reach me at nickelodeonhistory at gmail.com. That is also the official email address associated with This Week in Nickelodeon History that you can send in your questions or comments that I can read on the podcast if you're a fan of that. On top of the extra coats of paint, I also finally have all of the uh, capture card situation over here taken care of. So I'm going to be 
um, going through some of the backlog of any of the video games that I have covered already on the show for Video Bob Game Pants, going to be uploading those long plays with and without commentary over on the Captain Eric YouTube channel, along with some upcoming video games, because this is the year 2002. This is when Nickelodeon really started pushing SpongeBob merchandise full gear into stores. They slammed on the gas and started pushing SpongeBob as hard as any other Nicktoon as they've ever had. And video games started coming out on the regular. So I do hope if you are a listener of this podcast, those little breaks in the episode orders when we just talk about the video games and I talk about my experiences with them, I hope you enjoy those because they're going to be coming out on a bit more of a frequent level. I'm not going to overload it. I, I may even in the next few weeks uh, have one coming up because it's it's really hard to put these where they belong sometimes because I'm going through the production order of these episodes, not their release order. So these episodes are, you know, released sometimes out of production order. And then when you pinpoint where the video games should, you know, kind of fit into place it's it's kind of customized so i i can make the the list however i'd like and and i really do hope you enjoy those episodes i like i like taking the break once in a while from the show just to deviate and see how the video games are stacking up and it'll be a nice progression to talk about how the video games continue on for different systems and and you know when they try new mechanics and yeah do they work do they get better do they get worse there's spongebob games i've never tried before that kind of like the episodes I've never seen, I'm excited to talk about those and get into them for this show. So I hope you enjoy them. Uh, get excited. There's going to be more coming out and then also just a more visual aspect of those games coming out on the, the uh, Captain Eric YouTube channel. I eventually, hopefully in these next few video games, will just live stream on YouTube. So... Make sure if you are subscribed to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, I know every other YouTuber says it. Uh, I'm I, I never going to visually remind you guys about the percentage of people who watch and don't subscribe. I'm not about that. Uh, but if you are a subscriber, please mark down that bell for notifications because if I, if I start live streaming, it might just be out of the blue. I might put, you know, notifications out on Twitter or Instagram. So certainly follow those forms of social media in the podcast description below. And please stay tuned for all of that exciting content and more to come down the pipe. Now, this week's episode is Clams. It is the second half of the 53rd episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, and it first premiered on September 20th, 2002. It was written by Jay Lender, Sam Henderson, and Mark O'Hare. Our storyboard artist is Caleb Muner. Our storyboard director or directors, I should say, is Jay Lender and Sam Henderson. Our animation director is Sean Dempsey, and our creative director is Derek Dryman. Now, I usually don't go beyond the initial credits of the episode, the the beginning credits of that, and I've never really talked about many of the other uh, crew members that may have worked on the show beyond you know those initial credits. What's important to mention about this episode is that this one in particular, Clams, was directed by Steven Hillenberg. And in fact, there's also a few other names that I should mention that are listed as just general writers of both this episode and its previous episode, New Student Starfish. 
And every episode usually has a batch of these writers that are not necessarily listed in the main credits of each episode, but then are in the, you know, back end credits. They're just people who have maybe have other jobs a part of the show, but are just always there to help out in the writing aspect, but are not going to take the main writing credits. But the other writers of this episode are Mark O'Hare, Ken Osborne, Derek Dryman, and Steven Hillenberg. So Steven Hillenberg directed Clams and helped write it. And what's really funny about this is if you are a Captain Eric listener, you should know that one of my favorite Rocco's Modern Life episodes, and in fact, probably my favorite episode of that show, is Fish and Chumps, an episode that was directed by Steven Hillenberg and has a very eerily similar vibe as this current episode of SpongeBob that we are diving into, Clams. A vibe of three three guys going out on the water, the open water, the sea, and and things just feeling a bit off, things not, not quite as they should, and just diving into a world of madness, of, of being lost out at sea. And you can just see the similarities here, even though they're about completely different subjects and the the act of uh, of the you know villains in these episodes are for different reasons. I'm not going to spoil Fish and Chumps if you haven't seen it. It's 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 better to be seen than to be explained if you've never seen the episode. It, certainly if you have access to Rocco's Modern Life. Check out Fish and Chumps, but the act of losing something extremely important to a character in the deep sea and then trying to retrieve it is is a big plot point between both episodes. So that's just another big similarity between the two. And there's nothing copying. These are completely, totally different plots here at play. But there are certainly more than a few nods in this episode to uh, other forms of media, other forms of entertainment, and then even just his past work. So it's it's very cool to have that. And I wanted to give that shout out here and, and probably going to be changing how my intro for these episodes are presented moving forward. I want to make sure I can I can give as much credit in a nice concise way as possible. I mean the credits are there to give credit, but I I do want to make sure that I I uh, give my a complete appreciation to everybody who has worked on this show. That's kind of my my one of my whole points is I I have so much respect for even somebody who has worked one day on that show. Uh, as as I would love to, I, I that's my goal one day is is even in some capacity to work for SpongeBob SquarePants. So uh, I want to make sure I, I give credit where credit is due, and just that whole connection with Fish and Chumps and Clams was just too much to pass up on not talking about. As this episode starts out, though, we have probably my favorite title card in the series. I maybe I've said that before. I feel I feel like maybe I was a bit overzealous with another title card. I can't remember at this point in time, but the second I saw this at title card, I knew exactly what they were referencing. And it's a pretty obvious reference to the film Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg. The movie was a no pun intended monster success at the box office and and was a cultural phenomenon when it released in 1975 uh, a phenomenon unlike we've never seen before in which after this movie came out on June 20th, 1975, it had a sweeping effect on attendance at beaches. The fear of a giant shark, 
attacking you as you were in a residential beach became literally a nationwide pandemic. I don't you know, want to use that word given recent events, but it literally was. If you go back and, and look at all the data, the amount of people, I forgot the, the number at, at this point in time, but there was just this massive drop-off of people who did not want to go to the beach after watching Jaws. But even if you've never seen Jaws, you certainly have seen the poster of Jaws. It is one of the most iconic, simplistic movie posters in the history of cinema. I, you see more of Jaws in that poster than you do in the movie, which is a part of its charm is, you know, the monster you, hunting for a monster, not knowing where or when it's going to attack, but always on guard that it could happen at any point in time. And it's scary that you the little you see of that shark. I mean, it, it works to the effect of keeping the, the fear up of this thing. Now, later sequels, you kind of have to show more of it as time goes on because people are not going to fall for the same trick and it's not going to have the same effect. But for your first time, you can you can absolutely get away with that trick. And so, yeah, that poster, absolutely iconic. And you immediately know not only just from the poster, but even the music that we hear because I want to give a shout out to this music because it's just very iconic. The the title of the music here is known as Dangerous A. There's a few variations of it throughout the episode. I know like Dangerous D. Uh and the artist of this episode is Mladen Franco and it is very much a I don't want to say a parody, but it is a homage to the classic John Williams jazz music that is just a very few beats uh, of orchestra music that does not take much to send a chill down your spine if you happen to be just in, in open water and hear that music. I, the joke being that when that music plays, it is the sound of Jaws on the attack. It is the sound of the shark, which, uh, in fact, the name of the shark is not Jaws. It doesn't really have a name. The The three men in the in the movie that are hunting the shark, uh, you know, do not call him Jaws. And it's it's also, there's other than even the name of this episode, the title, the music, the idea that three characters going out on the boat, and and honestly, they all pretty much kind of have their, their fill-ins for each of the characters from the movie. Uh, Mr. Krabs being Quint, SpongeBob being uh, Martin Brody, and Squidward being Matt Hooper. And if you've never seen Jaws, certainly if you're on the younger end, I would I would wait a few years. But uh, it is it's worth the watch. It, it's an it's a fantastic piece of cinema, and I I can't really recommend any of the sequels or anything like that. But that first movie is absolutely worth watching. And if when you watch it, it'll be funny if you've already have seen this episode, obviously. But then you go and watch Jaws to see all the little homages and all the little nods from that movie that that they had in this episode that and also if you're a fan of Moby Dick there there's a lot of the Captain Ahab in Mr. Krabs in this episode the the pure obsession with hunting a giant monster out at sea so it, there's a lot being pulled for this episode the start of it though has nowhere anywhere near the water nowhere near clams we get that we get that opening title card we get the music we know what we're in for but we're starting our day at the Krusty Krab where we have a customer asking Squidward his opinions on various items on the menu. Now, as somebody who works with the public, somebody who has worked with food and, and retail, 
you do get customers who want to know your opinions on the things you're selling. And in most cases, you can answer their questions with your honest opinions, and sometimes you might have to fill in other gaps if you dislike something. Like, for example, if you're someone who's not into chocolate and somebody asks how you like a chocolate item on the menu, you might tell them, I don't like it, and just so you know, I don't like chocolate. It kind of gives them an understanding as to why you gave it that kind of review. But in some cases, you just don't like many things in your store, or there's just certain aspects of your job or certain, you know, things you're selling that you're not 100% privy to, and sometimes customers will, will want your opinion on those things. And if you don't know, should you know? It, it There's varying degrees here. I'm just not trying to be overly obvious about um, what I have to do on a day-to-day -day basis, but... You know, sometimes there's just those very specific questions that people might be asking for. And it's just, you know, with with Google out there, it's a much more useful tool for reviews, especially for, for people who might know more about it. And it just makes you feel, you know, unhelpful and where you want to be helpful. But that's the big thing. And I will always say this. If you are if you have to ever sell to people, no matter what it is. If it's as big as cars or if it's something, you know, certainly small like jewelry, just be honest with people. Just be honest. You're a customer as well. You can read the honesty of, of a good employee at, at, at a place. You can know when they're just upselling you for the sake of upselling. And then you can tell when they're just generally caring about what they're trying to sell you. That's the best advice I can give. Be genuine. And if you genuinely don't like something, hey, tell tell somebody. They, they will appreciate your feedback. They might not always take your feedback. Sometimes you might say this item is not really that good, and then they go, all right, well, I'll still buy it. Uh, and, hey, sometimes they come back and go, you were absolutely right, and then sometimes they might come back and say you were wrong. It they, You never know. But if you're honest, then you have nothing to hide. You have nothing to worry about. Squidward here is being bombarded with questions over his opinions on the food at the Krusty Krab, and as seen in previous episodes, we know that Squidward really doesn't... Now, we, we know he enjoys Krabby Patties, but publicly, at least, he just keeps up this opinion that he doesn't really like anything at the Krusty Krab, which is, is fair. He doesn't have to like fast food. There's people out there who serve fast food who don't have to necessarily like the food they're serving. I, I mean, I the one fast food job I had, which was with Dunkin' Donuts... I certainly enjoyed the food I was serving. I, I got addicted to coffee through working there and had my fair share of bacon, egg, and cheeses, and it shows. But, um, you know, there are some people, though, who have no problem working for places, for fast food organizations, and have no desire to actually eat the food there. It's not weird. Uh, but Squidward just blows up at this customer, and it's... I Like, I feel your pain, Squidward. I understand... But you, you could literally still get that point across without screaming at the customer. Luckily, SpongeBob is able to kind of uh, save the situation and give the customer a suggestion on a meal they may enjoy. Now, this meal only costs $1. And as a siren goes off, once the register you know shows that, that a dollar is owed and, and is paid, massive sirens going off all over the building, red lights, now, I love Squidward's just nonchalant attitude about this. Like, even the customer asks what's going on, and Squidward's like, something stupid, I suppose. He doesn't even really know what's happening. So this is clearly the first time this alarm is going off. 
Mr. Krabs comes out of nowhere with a massive, we see this massive, a real life orchestra that was green screened behind uh, an animated curtain that opens up, play a very joyful theme as Mr. Krabs comes dancing out of his office. There's confetti, there's streamers. This is the one millionth dollar earned as a crab, as a businessman. Now, it seems that, uh, as he explains, it, it's the proudest moment in a crab's life to earn their one millionth dollar. Now, I want to make one thing clear, and uh, depending on where you are in the world, the word used there may be different, earned, one millionth dollar earned. That doesn't make Mr. Krabs a millionaire automatically because the you may earn a million dollars but then not have million a million dollars in the bank and what that means is if you have a business while you're making money you are still also spending money to keep that business running you need to spend money on your product you need to spend money on the utilities of the store or if you have multiple storefronts you're spending money on the employees and to pay for them so the money you're making is going back into the company, and then there's profit from that. What Mr. Krabs is saying that, at least from using that terminology as I'm taking it, as over time, this is the one millionth dollar to come through the business, but that doesn't mean that he has like a million dollars in the bank because he still has to be spending money somehow, even on the electricity of the place, He's spending money on the on the paychecks of Squidward and SpongeBob, although we have heard many times how meager that is. Uh, but it's very it's very well possible that Mr. Krabs has over a million dollars, and this is all just fluff, and I'm just talking more. But I thought it was important that that a million dollar earned, depending on the context, doesn't necessarily mean he's a millionaire, um, unless literally every dollar he has made from the Krusty Krab is has just been saved away. And the money being used to run the place or any expenses are coming out of his own pocket that he may have had before running the Krusty Krab. So that's also a possibility. And then, in fact, this does make Mr. Krabs a millionaire, which then, you know, kind of gives understanding to all of his excitement over this. He is so excited over this. Congratulates the customer. I love that when the customer asks, like, well, what do I win? Which, you know, if I was in his situation and I handed over cash or I paid for a meal and there was all this fanfare and I was being told that I was, you know, either the millionth customer, I was the, you know, I gave them their millionth dollar, their millionth sale, what have you. I, if there was all that excitement, I, I wouldn't personally ask what, what do I win, but at the point of this character's perspective at I would at least internally think that I won something I would assume there was a prize coming my way but I wouldn't necessarily ask that I wouldn't just be like all right well what do I win what's my prize if it got to that point where I was just in that situation where I was just thanked I would say like you're welcome and congratulations and I yeah there would still be the expectation like yeah am I getting handed something is this is is there anything else and if there was nothing like cool I walk off and hey I was a part of history today that's it what else I'll eat my food and move on I'm not gonna I don't need a prize uh, but 
yeah, I would just asking that's weird, but I, I, I'd be honest. I definitely would think something was coming. If they had like streamers and an orchestra playing to congratulate me too, I would certainly assume, well, the expense for all this fancy stuff came into play. I imagine there, there might be a prize for the, the millionth customer or, or whatnot, but I guess there isn't. Now, for as greedy as Mr. Krabs is, because it's his biggest flaw, it, it, he's unneedingly greedy at most times. Uh, he is certainly a humble person and, and wasn't going to take all of the credit in the world for this monumental achievement. He was going to share it with SpongeBob and Squidward because he knows that it it isn't possible to achieve your millionth dollar without a loyal crew. And I, I actually like that. Uh, Mr. Krabs isn't the best character at all times in the world. And he has pockets of of good in him, and he has moments where he really shines as a boss, as a character, as a friend, as um, somebody in SpongeBob's life that even, even when he's got his adult pants on, he can look up to a, an elder that he can trust. And... With even with that trust, I mean, Mr. Krabs breaks that trust all the time with everybody. He's stolen from people. He constantly is is just um, taking advantage of every situation at every moment in time to just make money. Has literally literally no care in the world for anyone other than his daughter, seemingly. But then he has these moments where he really shows appreciation. For SpongeBob, for Squidward, and then, you know, once in a while has maybe shown appreciation to, to Patrick. But uh, he offers SpongeBob and Squidward the opportunity of a lifetime, the opportunity of a vacation with Mr. Krabs. He wants to take them out on a trip as a thank you for all of their hard work with the Krusty Krab. Um, first off, before we get to even what Mr. Krabs uh, plans on bringing them to, we get this nice close up shot of SpongeBob and Squidward, this like gross out classic, like Ren and Stimpy esque uh, close up of SpongeBob and Squidward. And it's a really nice touch for this episode. It, it's, you know, obviously I mentioned it's very Ren and Stimpy esque. It's got, it's like that classic Nickelodeon vibe because if you have any show on Nickelodeon, if you want a nice little quick moment of just laughter or disgust from your audience, you do the classic. Uh, up close, very detailed, like oil painting esque moment uh, of a character showing off something gross on their body. It, it's it's a guaranteed kill for the room, and uh, it's a Nickelodeon mainstay. I love, I always love it. It sometimes can be done in the worst ways, and it doesn't come off well. But when it comes off good, I I like it. I like the callback. It, this one isn't really that gross, but it's it's just a quick shot of of SpongeBob and Squidward in this really kind of deranged looking way, and it, it's it's really nice. Squidward tries to guess on the vacation spot, and he goes over a, a place called Fancy Springs. I like that instead of just having the characters go back and forth, saying you know what the place might be, and then Mr. Krabs saying no, they visually show you the characters in these places. So we see Fancy Springs, Pamper Island, which seems really nice, and then Old Bikini Bottom Folk Village, which is uh, very reminiscent of Colonial Williamsburg. I, th I think that's in Virginia. If you've never gone, let me double check on that. I don't want to mention a place like that. and I Because I have visited there, and Colonial... 
Williamsburg. If you have never gone, it is certainly a treat. Um, yeah, Virginia, yeah, Williamsburg. Ah, see, I know my, I know my places around the United States. Colonial Williamsburg is, I don't want to say it's like an amusement park, but it's a place to visit that is a, it, there's at least a, a location of it that is designed to look and breathe and live like olden times, like colonial times. So you have buildings that you can walk into and they have people who it's their job to just be actors. They're just supposed to be colonial people living in the times. And it's weird. Like you can walk in with a SpongeBob shirt and an iPhone 14 and the newest Jordans on your, on your feet. And the people will, they don't react to you whatsoever. And they're just supposed to be, hello there, I'm churning butter in this room. And it, it's, it's charming to a degree. Uh, if, if you have any interest in the olden days, I, I would say, Hey, go out of your way to, to visit the place. If not, I'm sure a few videos on YouTube might, might suffice your curiosity. Uh, it's interesting that Squidward would want, to visit a place like that, but also that there is an old Bikini Bottom folk village. I I hope we get an episode out of that one day. We then find out that Mr. Krabs intends to bring the boys on a fishing trip out on the deep sea. Uh, we see them immediately on a ship known as the SS Cheapskate, which, of course, absolutely perfect for Mr. Krabs. And it is not the best-looking ship in the world, but... I really like that it wasn't a part of the plot at all that the ship was old and it was just, you know, you had the joke of the SS cheapskate. It looks bad, but I felt like it would have been low hanging fruit that, oh my goodness, the, the boat is, you know, why did you get the cheapest boat in the world, Mr. Krabs? This, this is terrible. Like it, it doesn't really come off in the plot at all whatsoever. So we, we get the visual gag and, and that's it. Now, of course, I'm sure that you don't even need to see this episode to know where some of the attitudes of the characters are. Mr. Krabs, of course, is over the moon. He's excited. This to him is is vacation. This is the most exciting thing he could possibly do with his time. SpongeBob is eager to just get into fishing. He, No matter what Mr. Krabs could have done, you knew SpongeBob was just going to be game for it. And then you also know opposite end, Squidward then has to be not really into it. He's bummed out. I wish Squidward could just change his perspective in a way and just like, hey, man, you're not working. Even if you don't like fishing, if somebody's willing to take you out in a boat out in the middle, you know, out at sea, not like a deep, deep ocean. I can understand some people having an issue with that. But if somebody wants to take you out of their way to just take you out in a boat, take you fishing, you don't have to work. It's your boss. Take the relaxing day off. Like, enjoy the time. Don't be a don't be a Squidward about this. Be a SpongeBob. Have have some enjoyment. Now, what happens here though, very reminiscent of Fish and Chumps, is as SpongeBob is trying to fish, he is not, you know, doing anything really the right way. He's seemingly got good form, but every time he's pulling the uh, fishing pole back, it is grabbing new items off of the ship and just sending them off into the water. So he is just going and just sending big items, small items, including Squidward's nose. Now, as Squidward is trying to get Mr. Krabs' attention about this, 
Mr. Krabs has a piece of advice here that I would like to echo out on this show, and it's that don't bring something on a boat that you're not willing to lose. And I, I want to repeat that. Don't bring something on a boat that you're not willing to lose. I feel like it, it just so many people don't have that thought cross their mind before they get onto a boat. And especially if you're going out to the ocean. Now, if you're going out to a lake or something smaller, the chances of you getting your item back are high. They're like, okay, it, it could happen. But when you're especially going out into the ocean, you have to be careful on what you're bringing and, and making sure that you know where it's at at all times. Because if you lose something out there, the chances of you getting it are are probably like like none. Like there's just no chance of you getting it. I yeah, there's a chance. There's always a chance, I guess, but the ocean is literally the worst place for you to drop something over over the deck, you know, instead of like a lake or or other shallow forms of water. The ocean's the literal worst. So keep that in mind if you are ever invited out on the on a boat somewhere. Remember Mr. Krabs' uh, advice. Now as SpongeBob is pulling things off of the boat left and right, you can kind of see where this is going. He ends up taking Mr. Krabs' first dollar out for a ride in the ocean, which for some reason, once that that dollar hits the water, a a very familiar piece of orchestra music plays underneath everybody's impending doom. Uh, and there's even like this part of the boat where there's like these double sliding doors that open up and we see the live action orchestra, which by the way, I, I did my darndest research to try to find what the name of this orchestra was, who they were to give them credit, to shout out the conductor. Cause he's seen pretty prominently in this episode. And for the life of me, I, I could not find him. So if anybody has any information on who this orchestra was, uh, please let me know as soon as possible. I would love to give them a shout out. They're one of my favorite bits in this episode. So we saw them earlier in the episode with their little joyful million dollar tune. And then here they are in the boat playing the, uh, the dangerous music, which means that a, a clam is on its way, not a shark, a clam. And it's not just any clam. It is a giant blue lipped clam that comes careening over to the boat and swallows up. Mr. Krabs's one millionth dollar, which I'm sure you can imagine is going to send Mr. Krabs into some sort of manic uh, mode as he, he wants to get back his millionth dollar. I already mentioned the whole Captain Ahab uh, um, uh, allegory here earlier. So right at this moment, once Mr. Krabs has seen this giant clam consume his millionth dollar, he is obsessed with retrieving it. At first, it starts out with a lot of crying, and, and Squidward is just really not having it with the tears. But once Squidward agrees to help try to track down this millionth dollar, I, I'm sure he regrets that because after being at sea for three days without a single bite, because they try to fish for this giant clam, but they're not getting anything. And the fact that you're not getting any bites, that's a, either just a terrible spot of the sea or... They're not using the right bait or, you know, well, the only thing that really attracted the clam in the first place was money. So maybe instead of trying to dupe Mr. Krabs with a fake dollar, which is what Squidward ends up doing. Uh, by the way, when Squidward brings up this idea of just, you know, using just any other dollar, I love that SpongeBob, 
who usually tries to be as innocent as possible, is completely fine with duping Mr. Krabs in this situation. Being three days away at sea is a lot for SpongeBob, and he has to get home to feed Gary. We get a little shot of Gary, though, who has decided to eat the uh, the sofa in SpongeBob's house, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever looked at the sofa. It looks like it's made of pool floaties, and it doesn't really look like it would, you know, have cotton inside of it or the same innards of an actual couch. But when we see this little shot of Gary eating the couch, it's clearly the inside looks just what you would think of of an actual couch. There's stuffing, and it's a really funny visual gag to just throw in this episode. And a nice little shot of Gary there. Now, they try to dupe Mr. Krabs with this fake dollar. I'm sure if they threw it into the water, the clam probably would have came back. That would have been nice to, to see. But Mr. Krabs, at first, is excited to get his dollar back, but... Through his little dancing and his flossing with the dollar, which, by the way, I'm talking about classic flossing, the OG flossing, where, you know, where you take a towel and you floss it under yourself. I'm not necessarily like after a, a shower or something. You can you do it when you're wearing pants still and or you do it in this case with a dollar. It's still flossing, but, you know, um, he, when he flosses with the dollar and it's the same dance he did earlier in the episode when he got the, the first million dollar He's able to recognize that there's something off about this current dollar he was given. Upon further inspection, he realizes it is not his millionth dollar. It's been torn. It's been ripped. There's a coral blue number two semi-gloss lipstick on it. A little lipstick mark, which, of course, SpongeBob claims is his as he corrects Mr. Krabs. Uh, we, we don't get the correct number of coral blue, but he does confirm it is his, which... It's, it's, you know, I know it's a silly little joke here. It's one of my favorites in the episode. It means nothing to the plot, but the, just the, the gag itself visually, even just SpongeBob holding the little canister of lipstick and then having it actually on his lips. Why he kissed the dollar, I have no idea, but that's just one of my favorite things of SpongeBob is he just does weird stuff like that. And, you know, it's funny because when, when it's just SpongeBob and Patrick, Patrick does stuff like that. But when, when Patrick is not in the room and it's just SpongeBob and, and Squidward, Mr. Krabs, SpongeBob ends up doing the little stupid stuff like that. But now that Mr. Krabs has been duped by his his former crew, he has gone completely off the deep end and has another idea for these for these two uh, two former crewmates of his. SpongeBob believes it's another fishing trip and it's adorable that like even up to this point, he's excited for another fishing trip. But Mr. Krabs' idea is to actually use SpongeBob and Squidward as bait to attract the giant blue-lipped clams so that he can retrieve his millionth dollar. Squidward is right to ask here how he's even sure that uh, that they'll attract the giant clam. And Mr. Krabs has gone so much off the deep end that he is able to break the fourth wall somehow. And he's able to know... Now, up to this point, like the people, you know didn't acknowledge the sound of the orchestra when it played, when the giant clam came. Like, the first time you heard it, the characters, you know, reacted as they knew something was coming, but they didn't, like, say anything about the orchestra, you know, being played. Mr. Krabs decides to just rip open the doors on the ship that housed the orchestra to then forcibly get the orchestra to play 
which then forces the clam to come after SpongeBob and Squidward. Mr. Krabs is is my favorite kind of maniacally insane Mr. Krabs, as I've mentioned before. This is another another shade of it right here. And he's smart enough to know that as the clam is is charging after SpongeBob and Squidward lunges into the air as Mr. Krabs closes the doors on the orchestra and the clam freezes in midair. As you can then clearly see his millionth dollar on the uh, the tongue on the clam. Mr. Krabs dives off of the ship, grabs his millionth dollar, and I, you know, if I were him, if I'm inside of the mouth of a giant creature, I'm able to get the MacGuffin or whatever thing I'm in there for, I'm getting out quicker than how I was getting in. Mr. Krabs, though, has enough time to sit and and point out the obvious and gloat over his retrieval of the millionth dollar. He even starts flossing on the tongue of the clam. And unbeknownst to Mr. Krabs, the orchestra doors fly back open to continue the music. The clam continues its attack, but hey, now it has a meal directly in its mouth that didn't even need to do anything and into the water it goes. SpongeBob and Squidward are back on the ship. They're completely fine and are, of course, are worried about their their fallen boss. But Mr. Krabs comes back up to the ship, uh, well, up to the water and shows that he still has his millionth dollar in hand. And uh, we just see his head. He was able to get away from the clam because he made a deal with the clam. I guess a, a deal of sorts that gave away his entire body, his lower half of his body, excluding one arm in, in exchange for him to be able to keep the millionth dollar. And we get a little visual gag of just seeing Mr. Krabs' head and, and then the one arm with the dollar. Haha, ha, you know, he, he lost the rest of his body, but hey, the dollar is in hand. Classic good old Mr. Krabs. And, and that is clams. Not in, in terms of comedy, in terms of jokes... I, I don't think it is up to par with some of the last few episodes we got. But, and this is a big but here, in terms of an entire package of an episode, from from title card, from music, from beginning to end as a story, this is is one of the best SpongeBob SquarePants episodes that, that the show has ever had. Just in terms of a giant package, when you look at everything... This is one of those perfect episodes. It's it's pretty cool that it exists. And it's an episode that you can enjoy even without any knowledge of Jaws. You don't even have to watch the movie or get any of the references. Because these some of these references have even been made in other cartoons that, you know, I'm sure you'll come across either before you've seen this episode or even afterwards. It's just they're so iconic and have been overused time and time again. You can't not come across them at some point. So... Uh, it's it's nice to see that this episode just still stands on its own. I absolutely love it. it. It ranks up there really high for me as as a SpongeBob episode. And if you've never seen it, certainly check it out. And and I do hope you enjoy it. As always, you can check out all of my social media in the podcast description, the Captain Eric YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Please sign up for notifications if you would like. Uh, and if you are there, like any of the videos, leave comments. I love interacting with each and every one of you. Your comments, they're always appreciated. Uh, please follow any of the social media in the podcast description, the Instagram, the Twitter. I love interacting with you guys. And if you consider yourself a part of the Ready Crew, which just means you enjoy any of the content that Captain Eric produces, all are welcome. And 
just please enjoy yourselves. Welcome aboard. If you enjoy any of the content I produce and you would like to find a way to, hey, show your appreciation, all you need to do is just share it around. That's bare minimum. That's all I would ever ask of you guys. Share this around so that it may find its way to other fans of, of this kind of content. Um, other than that, liking, subscribing, any of that is appreciated. I'm going to be updating the merch shop in a couple of days. So it, there'll be the updated This Week in Nickelodeon History, the updated Captain Eric logos, and the updated SpongePod Squarecast logo, which will be coming out fairly soon. So... Thank you for joining me this week. Thank you for listening. We'll see you here next week. Stay safe, everybody. Have a good one. This isn't me millionth dollar. This is an ordinary dollar that's been crumpled up, torn slightly, soaked in a lagoon, and kissed with coral blue number two semi-gloss lipstick. Actually, it's coral blue number two. <laughs>